0: This is Paul Nobles from Eat Perform, and I am with Dr. Brad Dita. Uh, Brad, do you want to say hello to everyone?
1: Yeah, happy Friday, everybody. Uh, this is going to be a fun chat, and I'm glad that Paul and I are both going to be here because we both have a, a lot of experience over the last you know, year trying to develop some of the stuff that we've been doing. Um, and it's really cool to see it all kind of like click together right now. Yeah. Um, and so it'll be awesome to be able to walk you guys through a lot of basically – what we've tried to figure out, just grinding through things. Um, so it's going to be pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I think one of the things that's that's interesting. And over the course of five years, it's sort of funny because I was having a discussion with my wife, and you know, I was just talking about being a business owner, small business owner, things of that nature. And uh, you know, one of the things that she said that that was a little humbling, but but also I think true that. Um, We've really been on, only been in business for nine months because I, I think that when we look at and, and we've got some pretty exciting stuff happening with the app. but since the app came, that's when the acceleration of e reform has really happened. Previous to that, we were really more of a, you know, I mean we did a, a lot of what other people did, where we had an ebook. We had forums. You could go in there and ask a question, right? Um, but what we found, and, and what I think all the ebook people found, was that you really needed more of um, substance, you know? And so that's a little bit of what Brad and I are going to be talking about today. And so one of the things that, uh, You know, I wanted to sort of bring up and then we'll talk about the the eat form stages that that people go through and, and walk you through how that applies to plateaus. Right. But one of the things that we see a lot and if you are, you know, day 11 of your, you know, flush detox, you know, 30 day challenge, you know, whatever extreme thing that you're doing and you are stalled there could be a very good reason one of the things that one of the things that happens a lot for people over the holidays is that they start um a you know eating a little bit more flexibly and then what ends up happening is they have their weekends and then their weight goes up and then the rest of the week they start to really under eat right And so when they're done with the holidays, their weight's up, you know, four to five pounds, let's say, on average. And then they're wondering what to do about it. And they feel like they might have been overeating. But when you netted it out, it actually wasn't all that much, right? And so when you end up, you know, dealing with the sodium, maybe, you know, get some of the alcohol out of your system, the actual – Weight loss under that scenario isn't that great, right? So after day 10, your body is sort of adjusted to this net number that was actually kind of low, even though you thought it was high, even though you were dealing with some inflammation. Even though, you know, what are your thoughts on that, Brad?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that happens is, you know, when you come from the holidays and you're basically holding on to a lot of you know, water weight essentially. And then you go into something like that, you get this big flush and then you don't have anything that's going to carry you forward. Right. I think we talked about this a little bit last week of, it's kind of like, okay, once you deal with the super low hanging fruit, what's the next step? Yeah. And if you don't have that planned out, you're, you're literally just going to stay where you are for the next, you know, 11 and a half months until you kind of get another small uptick and then you go after it again.
0: Well, and, and, and the diet industry is real good at this, right? You know, I I posted a video, I don't don't know how well it's been received or not, but you know, cause someone was talking about a skyscraper and that, you know, if you look at your fitness journey, it's really similar to a skyscraper, right? Where everyone starts with a foundation And your whole life, you're really just kind of working on building your skyscraper. And so um, what I did was, is I took some Jenga pieces and I talked about the way that most people do it, right? And the way that most people do it is they're almost preyed upon by this new shiny thing, right? This new flush, you know, keto's in, now Paleo's in, now kettle's back, right? Um, And... For the most part, these detours end up kind of hurting people, right? And so what what we really try to focus people on is where's your foundation? Where is your baseline set? And then try to manage that so that you get the result that you need, right? Um, What are your thoughts on, on that idea, Brad?
1: I mean, that's essentially what you have to do if you want to get anywhere, right? I mean, it's kind of like, you can make so many different analogies that help. I mean, think about it kind of like your career, right? If you want to end up being very successful in your 40s, 50s, and 60s, you can't spend your 20s and 30s going from, you know, doing all these different things all the time, right? Like, if you want to be the CFO of a big company, you can't go from, like, software engineering to marketing to you know running a fishing expedition to you know being a personal trainer to doing all these things you like okay I gotta get this base of knowledge, I have to get this experience. You kinda have to accumulate all these foundational things until you're prepared to be where you want to be in the end. And then even when you're there, you have this whole foundation to pull from no matter what you wanna do. And you can be successful in whatever direction you want to go as long as you have this foundation. So I think a lot of people, you know, kind of view this health and fitness piece as you can just do a bunch of random things and maybe you can get partially where you want to go.
0: Well, I can actually speak to that. Well, right. Because between 30 and 40, you know, things had gotten bad, you know, and uh, you know, more or less. So, you know, I've talked about this, so I'm not going to really go deep into it, but you know, right around 30, I was around 185, 190 and starting to feel like, okay, this is starting to go real bad for me, right? And that's when I started dieting. Previous to that, I'd never dieted at all, you know? I was relatively active, Um, but I, I, I wouldn't say that I was a victim of each scenario as much as... I just kind of went for whatever was convenient. And so I I did what a lot of people do, right? I I started this plan and then that plan did not work. And then, um, you know, the very next year, I, I would start another plan that was the opposite of that plan, right? Now, I was able to take a lot of the things that I learned in that process to figure out what really worked. And then when combined with you know, PhDs and dietitians and all the people that ultimately became Eat to Perform, you know, we were able to create kind of these foundations. But I know exactly why people go to these extremes. Because, you know, like if you if you don't know Brad, Brad's a relatively young guy, he's 28, 29. And he's had fitness as a priority in his life since he was a teenager. That was not my reality, right? And so my reality... You know, didn't really start till I was 40. And so that's frustrating to me because I think to myself, what if I knew all the things that I know now when I was a teenager? I would be in a much better spot. But that's not the way most people think. The way that most people think is I'm in a really bad spot. And I think sometimes doctors aren't helpful in this regard. Right. Because they say to you, you've got to lose 50 pounds. And then all of a sudden they put you on this really extreme path that isn't necessarily going to always be helpful. Now, I'm pro doctor. Right. I'm actually got a doctor's appointment right after this. So I am pro doctor. But, you know, doctors are more reactive. You know, either form is more proactive. Right. Right. And if you're a trainer, you're more proactive. And so those are things that I really think we need to sort of keep in mind when we talk about, I mean, yeah, you're at 40. And yeah, your situation um, could be better, but it's not dire. And you can really address that in one second by walking around the block, right? And then just taking that momentum and then looking at your food choice. And that's a little bit about what the – what the video was about a little bit earlier. What are your thoughts on that, Brad?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think here's the, here's the thing to realize, you know, a lot of people don't really have a good perspective of when you go to a doctor's office, they get to see you once a year, maybe. Right. And so they have to have some sort of acute conversation to get you to where you need to be for the next treatment option. Right. They don't get to have the conversation with you every single day of, okay, we're working on this piece, you got to start to build this piece, you got to put the next piece in place. And it's just such a different model of, you know, a nutrition coach, a trainer versus a doctor. I mean, it's just the, it's just the perspective they get to deal with you with in the context in which they get to deal with you. And so you have to understand the difference between managing and, you know, trying to make somebody make positive changes.
0: I mean, I have a buddy that's a gym owner. And he comes from like all of these doctors that really make a lot of money. They're surgeons. They, they do really well. Um, and he was fully expecting that he would end up following that path. But he ended up opening a gym because he wanted to be on the front end of it rather than the back end of it. Um, so Lisa was was mentioning, and I talked a little bit about this in the, in the beginning, but she provides a little bit of context to it that I think is worth talking about. And so what she said was, I cut out sugar, soft drinks, most bread, meals of protein, salads, occasionally potato at the gym four to five days a week. Scale hasn't budged at all in two weeks. What's up with that? Well, here's what's up with it. You weren't overeating near as much as you thought, right? That's what we talked about earlier, is that that most people think that their problem is actually a lot worse than it is, and so, They keep going to more extreme, more extreme, more extreme. And you know the one thing that is a scientific fact related to dieting is that the more you do it, the worse you get at it, right? And so if you're on your 15th diet, that's going to be a big part of the problem, right? And so what you really need to be focused on is not all the bullshit that you're really focused on now, right? Because it's not the sugar. It's not – I mean, certainly you should be eating – A foundation of mostly whole foods and that's that's a positive right but at the end of the day it's real simple there's a calorie point that your body functions real well at and you should always be looking to expand upon that and you should always be looking to get better now can you then use that calorie point to get to a deficit sure right And there's a lot of people that don't have a a basic understanding of how you get to that point, right? But, you know, you would be a, a real great example that, you know, the cliched stuff, you know, part of the problem with, like, eating intuitively that's mostly whole foods is that you really don't know what's working or why, right? And so, you know, in terms of counting and having a better understanding you definitely walk away from you know when you work with a plan like eat to perform you walk away with a much better understanding right is that making sense brad
1: yeah that's i think that's one of the problems you know a lot of people get into is they take everything from such a qualitative perspective and they focus in on you know, what they did at a specific time that worked and they focus on the one piece. They don't see the rest of it. Right. So this morning when we were in reviews, you know, somebody said, Hey, I want to go back to my numbers from, you know, last October. I think it was, you know, a while ago because that's what was working. And I was like, we are, you know, 14 months later, your body's different. All your stresses are different. All your other pieces are different. So what we need to do to get to where you need to go, is probably not going to be the exact same thing. It was a year ago. So I think, you know, the point you make is the more you can be objective and the more data you can kind of pull on yourself and understand what works and why it works, the better results you can actually get. And you can get that at any point in time, right? You don't have to wake up and try to recreate magic. You're like, I know exactly what I need to do because I know exactly what's going on and I know what happened before and now I can move you forward.
0: So that's a great segue to the next piece, right? And so – Um, Brad actually coined this phrase it's something that we've actually been using a long time with Eat to Perform Um, it's interesting because I used to do these seminars um, on the wave method which is basically how you would you know undulate your food to get a specific result and use you know the calories that that you're working on and you know what we figured out in that process was that there just needed to be some things that could communicate things a little bit better, right? And so when we when we started the app, you know the foundation of what started the wave method, I mean, one of the things that was really interesting, we really didn't have any idea what people could work their calories up to. You know, Like I think it surprised every single person on our staff, When people are like, I'm 500 Club, women 600 Club, right? And it was like, whoa, people are capable of so much more than they think, right? And so one of the things that happens, and this actually does relate a little bit to um, what Lisa was saying, right? Is that a lot of times people will start a fat loss phase. And and let's be real, when you're cutting out sugar and breads and all this other stuff, all you're really doing is cutting out calories, right? And so when you're cutting out calories acutely, what's your body trying to do? Your body is trying to find balance and your body might find balance really quickly, you know, based on your dieting history. It might find balance really quickly based on your, um, Exercise requirements, right? One of the things that happens for a lot of people that um, are just super exercisers is that they find that they almost have to pull back their exercise to make any real, you know, progress related to some of their fat loss goals, right? One of the things you don't see are stage competitors. That are also running marathons, right? The, the the goals are just different, and so Brad coined the term adaptation prevention, and that's actually our newest breadcrumb. So when you start seeing AP one, AP two, what it's basically going to describe is the phase that you're in, and so what ends up happening if you're in each form method one. Then you get ETM breadcrumbs and you'll get six of them. So that basically you're on an eight day cycle and you'll get six of these breadcrumbs. So you'll have 24 days where you're kind of dealing with the water and the yuck and, and you'll be able to fight down a little bit. Now, remember that a lot of people are starting from calorie points that are much higher than where they're at, right? So even as they hit, the ap breadcrumbs and their calories start to go up they still should be at a relatively significant deficit why don't you talk a little bit about that brad
1: yeah so before i go like straight into talking about that maybe we can i'll tell a little bit about the point of the breadcrumb piece just kind of in a real general context is it's another layer of data that tells us where you are right so when we go in and we see a client's file we see you know your macros we see your weight we see your goals and then we we've just basically add another another layer of data to tell us where in the journey you are exactly at this moment right so basically it's like we can go in and know exactly where you've come from and where you're going and we can tell you exactly where you are at your journey at any point in time so those things that you see in your your files, the F1s, the F2s, the M1s, the ETMs, and now the APs, is it basically tell us right now at this point in time, where are you? And that tells us where you've come from and then where you're going. So we already in our head as coaches know what's going on and can make your reviews a lot better. Now, what the whole point of the, the new ones that we're rolling out, the AP ones, is one of the things we know happens when you, when we pull calories down and we put you into a diet is your body starts down regulating things. I mean, we're talking everything from your physical activity, your hormones, your overall metabolism, everything starts coming down. And as that starts to drop, if we slowly add in a little bit of food, we basically stall that process, right? So your body's not adapting down as much as it would if we just kind of let you hang out at really low calories all the time. So basically it the goal is to keep the ball rolling while you're trying to start to lose some additional weight. And it's really the best way to keep you from ever getting completely stuck. Now, the problem is if we – if you if you drop down, your calories are really low, and then you hit a plateau and we say, okay, now we're just going to take it down even lower and get more extreme. We basically just backed you into a corner, and then when you hit the next plateau, you just can't go anywhere else. What are we going to do?
0: Right. Okay. Like, so, there's, so there's literally
1: nothing you can do.
0: So so there's some, some interesting points about what you're saying, because logically what you're saying makes no sense to people, right? That they can actually move their calories up. Um, but there's actually really only two ways to deal with the plateau. I, I mean, I suppose if you start to really look at um, exercise, right? You can, you can add that in as a way of, of, of sort of dealing with things. In fact, you know, let, let's go there. When I'm looking at whether or not I should consider a fat loss phase or not, the first thought that I have is that um, I'm going to try and fix that with exercise. I'm going to try and see if I can work my way out of that problem, right? And so, you know, right now, as an example, very busy time in the in the fat loss world, you know, not a great time for exercise. So this would be the thing where I go, okay, if my weight's up, you know, two to three pounds, maybe three to five pounds, you know, I would really want to start to get my exercise routine back in a good groove before I consider anything like that. That's actually the contrary to what most people do. So anyway. Getting back to people's logic. So, there's two ways to break a plateau if you think of it simply there's add food or take away food, right? And so, what we do is a combination of both, right? Let's be honest about that. And so, Gina's asking that question. So, you know, hopefully this answers that for her. But what we guide you through is that you can't necessarily Just always go down and the problem with just going down because that's what your logical brain wants to do Right is I'm stuck. I've got to eat less What ends up happening in that scenario? Is that you actually become much more insulin sensitive and you become much more prone to storage? So all the gains that you're making right so like you you do, you know, let's say that you're eating 1400 calories and you work your way all the way down to 700 calories to get that extra five pounds that was going to make all the difference in the world. Problem is, is it might have been a little bit of muscle, right? In that process, you got really uncomfortable. Sleep went bad. A lot of things went down in that process. Would you have been better off as an example, trying to sleep better, work out better, work on all those different pieces. And so that's basically how we guide people. We say, all right, let's see what we can do with calories, right? And we work that up starting from a baseline. Now, a lot of people start from the baseline. And I mean, we had someone this week that within five days lost 12 pounds. Right. And they were just doing our baseline plan and they were like, oh, my God, I've never lost this much weight. I mean, let's be real. We all know that that's water right now. Right. But you do have to sort of get through that water stage to get to the part where your body actually starts using as fuel. And the problem with the downside is that people go, "Well, okay, if I go from 1400 calories to 800 calories, it's going to really suck. I'm not going to sleep. I'm going to lose my hair. You know, all these negative things for guys, you know, I'm going to lose my manhood." Um but <laughs> I saw no reaction in your face Brad, so I don't know,
1: maybe I scared <laughs> you. Um, maybe we just talk about it so much. I don't even, it doesn't even, it's like, it's, it's it's like
0: unfazable. It's like, it's like talk, poop talk with Mike, you know, the, it's just so normal to have <laughs> poop talk with Mike. Um, But, but people don't think of the repercussions of that type of thing. And then I think for a lot of people, you know, they get to that 800, they just can't do it anymore. But then they look in the mirror and go, I'm not completely there yet. And so now all of a sudden, you know, like Gina was saying, she's in a, in a corner. I did. We did have one person ask me if we work with, with weight, um, contests. We do. I actually have, you know, two Olympic hopefuls right now that I work with personally. Um, but we have lots of people that, that make, um, uh, you know, work in powerlifting, Olympic lifting. yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, that happens I mean what would I say that it's a it's a, a a great fit for every single person it sort of depends I mean if, if you think that food is your problem we disagree right and so we're gonna constantly have a problem with that if that's the way you think but if you're like most bodybuilders if you're like most power lifters if you're like most Olympic lifters I mean my, 116 pound olympic hopeful just went over 400 club and her calories are at 2900 calories right and people go oh my goodness she must do a ton of cardio she does almost no cardio right she just lifts weights you know um and really works on you know kind of that accessory piece and so um the other person that is talking uh, is mentioning PCOS and that's a that's a common thing that that we deal with we have a lot of people that have PCOS that do eat and perform and what ends up happening with with PCOS is you kinda of sold this low carb I, I have insulin resistance issues and what ends up happening from that standpoint is you actually never use calories Or carbohydrates as kind of a tool in the toolbox and so it's sort of this self-fulfilling prophecy right because now all of a sudden you've you've actually made yourself more insulin resistant by avoiding insulin and what advantages it would have had actually now work against you you know a great example of this is a PCOS gal I mean we've had so many PCOS people that are eating 400 grams of carbs and we're like i never even thought that this was possible right but um you know more often than not still the process is getting food calories you know we, we always end up talking about carbohydrates just because it ends up being the thing that seems to be the demon of the moment right and the reality is, is that we're not against fats, we're not against carbs, we're not against calories. We're we believe that food in general, you know, all different types, um, nets out to a, an overall positive. Uh, I know I covered a lot of ground there, Brad. But any pieces you want to pick out?
1: Uh, I mean, we can specifically address the PCOS piece, right? When we talk about like metabolism and, and women with PCOS is it's not that different from metabolism of people who are type two diabetic due to insulin resistance, and a lot of people have this idea of it's the carbohydrate metabolism that's the problem. But when you actually kind of look under the hood of the cellular physiology, a lot of it's fat metabolism problems, right? So when a lot of women, you know, when we kind of shift their calories around and we can get them to start using fat a little bit better, um, or we can start to get them using carbohydrates a little bit better, they actually start to see a lot more progress really quickly
0: yeah so there's there's a couple things that are happening really interesting um but i just want to make sure that everyone understands that um before we start really going into some of the things because there's some interesting things happening in chat um you walk through your initial phase of of eat to perform and you deal with the water and all that the stuff that that everyone knows about that's really easy (laughs) Then a few weeks in, you're really starting to use fat as fuel. And then we put you in that adaptation prevention phase, right? And what that does is sort of, it's like a mini reverse that just kind of allows you to, to catch up. It You know, one of the other advantages of it is that mentally people know it's coming, right? And so they know Look, I got 24 days. I'm just going to pound these 24 days, really keep my sodium low, keep my steps up, all these different things that are super, super positive related to the form. And then they know, okay, some food's coming back. I'm going to get this little bit of a break. Their metabolism gets this kind of kick upstart. And what we see in, I'd say, probably 80 to 90% is that as people get this food, they actually go down. Like, and and part of the reason is that almost everything that people think the opposite is true right so when we look at you know how people are motivated taking away food that ends up not being true science backs that up you know it, it's actually a source of depression for a lot of people um, it it mentally just affects you. I mean, your brain functions off of glucose. When you have glucose in abundance, your brain feels good. I mean,
1: think about it also too, just from a perspective of, let's say you have a client and you say, okay, you get to this weight and then we're just going to take more food away. How does that motivate somebody to make progress? Right. You're like, okay, cool. Now it gets even worse. The better I do.
0: Yeah, because, like, if you're listening to this and you're not a need-to-performer, what you don't know is that we have, like, all these goals that are really close. And the reason why, you know, so let's say that you're doing Joe Schmo's macro program, right? So Joe Schmo is going to give you the least amount of, of food, and Joe Schmo is going to say to you, you know, eat a bunch of chicken and broccoli, you know, because it's going to help with satiety, it's going – to, to help with your comfort. And yeah, you're not going to sleep all that well. Right. But the reason why Joe Schmo can't, can help you further is because he doesn't have the, the data to really help him, you know? And in our instance, we have an algorithm that automatically adjusts plans so that we don't need to do it. And so every three days a coach goes in and they will adjust that algorithm based on your need, right? So you know when you look at each performance, I don't think a lot of people realize. You know, we we you know we have um, an app that people are using. It's not like some email. It's not like you're you're trying to like wing it alone. There's thousands there's, of people.
1: There's no Google Sheets. We don't have to go into your My Thinness Pal and try to read the data. We right. don't have to send you an email. We don't have to try to get on. You know, it's like. Yeah, it's, it's just so much easier and seamless.
0: Yeah, it's 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 pretty su- super involved. Um, so, uh, so what ends up happening? So I'm gonna walk through the the AP breadcrumbs just to to kind of finish that piece. Then we'll run through the the comments because there were some things that I, I definitely um, wanted to kind of address. But so AP one basically means that you're. Kind of doing that mini reverse, right, where you're going to actually start to get calories once you um, hit that stage. And some people at that point have already hit their benchmarks, and we actually lowered their benchmarks because they're they're just you know crushing it that hard. So then um, when they hit that sixth thing, which is on the twenty fourth day, you know, dep- kind of depends on weekends, but Um, could be 26 days but once they hit that number um, of ETM6 then what ends up happening is they start that mini reverse and so that that starts AP 1 AP 1 you're you're actually going to be made to hit a goal AP 2 your goal is going to come down AP 3 is you're going to fight and AP 4 is you're going to be given an option So here are your options, right? Your option is to stay in the phase that you're in, but we bring your calories down, right? Um, And uh, the other option is to go, no, I'm done, right? And I think that that's, you know, like a lot of people don't realize, I think a lot of people that are dieting right now go, wait a second, I could just stop at any moment yeah, I mean, you know, part of of any pro, you know, any um, any process related to health and fitness should factor in the fact that you know a client might need a break. So if the client needs a break, you know, we have that system already built in, right? Any thoughts on that, Brad? <laughs>
1: I mean, I think the the thing that most people don't realize, and this is basically what we have created the best solution for, is what do you do when you're not eating lower calories? Like, what's yes. the solution to not dieting? And that's, I mean, that's what most of our clients do most of the time, right? Is we have we have like we had a review yesterday, and a client asked, okay, well, you know, once I'm done with this dieting cycle, then what do I do? And I was like. We got you. Like that's exactly a lot of what we do is you know, once we've kind of hammered the low calorie now, we've gotten out of it what we need to do. Now, how do we How do we get you back to normal while keeping you with the progress you've already gotten? That's you know, an interesting point. It's not like a
0: – Hold on one second because I have a really – any moron can pull your plan down, right? Like anybody can do that piece. It's really the piece – of making sure that you're not dieting most of the time and understanding what that looks like that matters, right? Someone giving you macros, like for instance, I can tell you with a good rough estimation how much you're going to lose based on where you got, right? Most plants cannot do that because they're just guessing and that's why they guess extremely low, right? So, so that I, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but but I thought that was an interesting piece because we don't think about that, right? We this is our, our reality is all eat and perform all the time, right? And so something to think about there.
1: Yeah, I mean that that's a great segue into one of the questions if you want to dive into that.
0: Yeah, so let let's actually go back because I want to I want to kind of start from the beginning because I I sort of ended on the PCOS question. So, Gina said that she was reversed out and now she's cutting again, right? So, it sounds like what Gina is doing is that dieting is the good majority of what she does, right? Whereas, you know, my suspicion, because she actually said in a previous comment that she f- feels like she's in a corner. The reason why you feel like you're in a corner, the way that most people reverse people, they just nibble, right? And, and they just give you a little bit more calories and they really don't ever establish your calories at what normal calories look like, right? Where you're eating like a normal human being. And so most people who think that they have 12 to 15 pounds <laughs> left would be much better off doing what we teach people to do, staying relatively weight stable, gradually fighting down along the way exercising, building lean mass in that process, right? For instance, if you're saying that you have 12 to 15 pounds to lose, I'm assuming you're talking about fat. What if you gain six pounds of muscle? Then you only have six pounds to lose, right? And so if we can get you to that place where you're getting that muscle, that really makes a big difference one of the things that i am going to take a little bit of an issue is someone's saying 1400 calories isn't low 1400 calories is very low right i mean unless you're well even like a three-year-old right like a three-year-old's calories are roughly around 1300 to 1800 calories depending on the size of the three-year-old right um almost always your calories are going to be. I mean, I'm just trying to think of a scenario where. I mean, maybe if you are four nine, right, um, and and 105 pounds, 1400 calories might be a version of normal on a low day, right? But that is not normal for an average human being. And the problem, what what I believe that Sean is saying, and I don't know if Sean is a female or a male. Um, but what they're saying is, is that you can get away with those calories. And I agree that you can get away with it, but the very next comment talked about why am I losing hair when I'm dieting? That's why, right? Because if you don't have an adequate amount of fat, that's going to allow for hormones like testosterone and just all the different things that make your body Work optimally, then there are repercussions. Your sleep suffers, your hormone, hormonal health suffers, right? Talk a little bit about that, Brad.
1: I mean, I think the thing is, you can get to a point where 1,400 calories is your normal baseline, right? You're just your whole body adapts, your lifestyle adapts, your training recovery adapts, all those sorts of things, because that's what the human body is designed to do, right? almost every system we have is an adaptation mechanism. And so you can get to a point where 1,400 calories is your normal, but that doesn't mean that that's where you should be, right? And so I think a lot of times what happens is, you know, over years of, you know, trying to diet and do all these things is your level of normal just slowly drops, right? And now you find this new level of normal at a much lower capacity. Now, what happens is what you're actually capable of is drastically diminished, right? How many times do we see in people's files where they come in, they're eating 14 1,500 calories a day over six to nine months. We get them up to 2,800, 3,000, and then we take them to a fat loss cycle. And they're probably eating 1,700, which is where they started. And they go, oh, my God, I never realized what I felt like. And I'm like, that's the difference between functioning and where your body should actually be. I mean, if you go back and you look at the – research literature of what even like small women their basal metabolic rate was in studies from the 50s 60s and 70s um, when they just took normal women i mean their basal metabolic rate was 25 26 2700 calories a day and these were just kind of normal people uh, but what happens is your body adapts to what you're giving it and so if over a long period of time you let that adaptation occur that just becomes your new normal
0: yeah no and i i, I mean your body is going to essentially want to grow as a measure of preservation, right? And it, and when you are exercising appropriately for your age and and ability, those adaptations end up being favorable, right? And when we look at, you know, fat storage as an example, you know, more more often than not it's going to be as some measure of protection for you right? Your body is going, okay, you're going to give me less food. I'm going to hold on to that food a little bit longer. And that might have a negative impact on a lot of things, right? So that segues me to Amy's question about um, how is metabolism altered when thyroid is bad? And once again, you know, many of us, you know, I have a thyroid condition. So I get to talk Yo. Um I caused my thyroid condition. Right? I caused my thyroid condition. You know, I mean certainly there's genetic components and things of this nature, but I didn't really have a history of um super thyroid issues in my family. What happened was is that as I dieted more extremely, it was a net negative. And then as I started adding food back in and as I started getting my exercise routine, I think the problem is that people have wants and they put those wants before their needs. Right. And so, you know, I had a great example. We we talked about a client and she's actually a client that, that works at my gym and she sent progress pictures and you know, she wanted to, she asked me if we could talk at the gym, you know, and, and give her my opinion. I, we certainly can. Uh, and I see her, you know, probably half of the time, but here's what I'm going to say to her. You look great, right? You look muscular from the time she started to perform to now. She is so clearly more fit. She is so clearly more muscular. She is so clearly more capable. Only problem is is that she would like to weigh less too bad, right? You get to be awesome now. You know, that's part of the issue that we have, you know, with kind of the social media culture is that you see all these images. We posted, a, you know, an image of Amy who, you know, has had great success with each perform. Every other thing that you see out there is someone going from a four-pack to an eight-pack, it's like, well, okay, that's that's awesome that you went from a four-pack to an eight-pack. And, yeah, there are some other transformations you know, that people have had extremes. But I think most of us are sort of in that middle part, right, where we just got healthier, right? We, we, we started eating better. We started making better food choices. Our fundamentals got better. Our sleep got better. Our exercise got better. All these different things. But if you then go, like I used to talk about this in seminars all the time. My sex life is better. I'm eating more. I enjoy life. I used to suffer from depression. I no longer suffer from depression. My husband likes me. My wife likes me. My kids are having a great time with dad. Dad is physical. Dad does great things. He shows up at my stuff. When he shows up at my stuff, he's active. He's not just sitting down all the time. Oh, by the way, I want to lose twenty pounds. The problem is, is that if the oh, by the way, I want to lose twenty pounds trumps all that other stuff. I, I just, I just feel like that that's a, a an opportunity missed, you know. And I'm not saying that you can't have goals, and I'm not saying that you can't want to weigh less and things of this nature. But if you were my mom. My mom died, right? My mom died roughly five years ago. And my mom did not get to benefit from all the knowledge that I have. But if my mom was 70 years old and asked me, do you think it would be better if I lost 20 pounds? In almost any scenario, I would say no, right? Because I think my mom would just be a lot better off eating and exercising and staying active So then she could get to 90. The problem is, you know, and and my mother-in-law used to talk about her all the time. and I've talked about her on podcasts. But when you start to see older people losing weight, that's not a good sign. You know, that's usually the sign of a bad sign. And so as we age, we want to have more muscle, but we want to be more capable. And so, you know, you don't see a whole lot of 75-year-old people worrying about their eight-pack right? They're just worrying about getting to 80, you know? And part of getting to 80 is making sure that you're properly fed and things of that nature. Um, So I kind of went off tangent related to what Amy was saying, but my ultimate point was, is that thyroid conditions are improved when exercise that is well fed is improved, right? And so... You know, you can't on the one hand look at, you know, a lot of people, you know, I, I was close to doing it. Right. I was going to use my thyroid as my unicorn card and say, I'm broken. Right. But I did. not And so at that point, you know, I was able to kind of, you know, change the way I thought about food, change the way I thought about exercise. And that really changed a lot. But optimal. Maybe wasn't part of that equation right? If I would have been obsessed to get to 4% and be vascular everywhere, you know, have those spleen striations like Mike Milner has, you know <laughs> like like that, that would have destroyed my thyroid in, in the case of, of um, I can't remember who was asking about, but about the hair, right? Like you, your hair is going to thin when you don't have hormones in abundance. That's just the way it works, right? But I mean, You know, I do kind of want to make a a shout out to young people because there's so many young people that I think are caught into this dieting cycle that I'm just like, can you just be smoted up? You know, like, I mean, my daughters are teenagers. Luckily, they have the benefit of Eat to Perform and, and the thought process related to Eat to Perform. But boy, there's just so much misinformation related to teenagers and, and the message that, that they're taught, you know, and the ability for teenagers, you know, I I say this all the time, you know, when you're young, you naturally have hormones flowing through your body that people pay hundreds of thousands for later on in life. Don't blow it. Right. So. You know, build that muscle, build that, that strength. That, those are some of the things that I wish I had. Now, you know, is my testosterone better level, uh, level better now, you know, being fed and working out? Sure. You know, is it optimal? You know, maybe not. I mean, maybe there's a little bit of a price to pay. I, I don't know. I feel muscular. You know, I feel like I'm doing pretty good and I feel like, you know, um, You know, when I go to the doctor, my readings are always great, right? So um, that ends up being kind of a net positive. All right, so let's see. I think we'll just end up leaving on that note because that was, for the most part, covered all the questions that I saw. I just definitely didn't want it to be left out there, that 1,400 calories just because you're eating – chicken and kale all the time you know i i I will i will make this this appeal to people right if you're like the 1400 to 800 person right and that is your big goal and and you want to try and make 1400 to 800 calorie your norm for the rest of your life you are not going to like eat to perform right we 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 don't believe in that. We don't believe in that as the answer. We believe that life should be lived in abundance. We believe that life should be lived with mostly whole foods that are allowing your body to adapt to that while you're active. And active might be weightlifting. Active might be paddleboarding, right? But good rest, not hungry all the time, normal human being stuff, right? And not obsessed with food. You know, that's one of the things we hear that a lot of people don't realize, you know, if you're not an eating performer, you don't see this. But people are like, oh my goodness, I never realized how obsessed I was with food. You know, um, I mean, there's there's someone talking about ketosis. You know, every time I, I talk to someone that, that uh, you know, related to, that's on a ketogenic diet, Right. I mean, the obsession level with food when you're on a ketogenic diet, you know for a lot of people, I'm sure that there are some people that adapt to it and end up being fine, right? But initially, they're just constantly talking about all the things that they're eating and stuff like that. And if you knew that, I mean you could get to that state without having to go to that extreme then it's like, well, okay, but then maybe my relationship with food. I'm not saying that some people can't do it and don't walk away from it. I mean, there's 3% of people that walk away from Weight Watchers and they hit their weight goal and they stay there. But what's the end game there, right? What does that look like I mean, at the, the other?
1: End? The other perspective on that too is, I mean, just to echo what you're saying is you're – taking a lot of extreme measures for no additional advantage i mean yeah. if you if you hold everything else equal in all dieting spheres i mean regardless there's just there's no advantage right we know that from a scientific perspective and so the the degree and the level to which you're going to adapt to a you know arguably very, very extreme lifestyle and there's no additional benefit i i just don't ever see the cost benefit analysis for 98 percent of people like
0: yeah, I don't. I don't it's just know. Not there. There's someone commenting related to my three percent comment. I don't. I, my thought process is that was well known that you know most diets have a very bad success rate, um, and when you define dieting by hitting a goal and staying there, I would argue that that's a bad definition, right? Because I think ultimately. For instance, let's say that you're a 125 pound female. I would argue that your goal should be to get to 130, right? And what you you the reason being is that for a lot of people, you know, that's going to allow for a better state of muscle, right? It's going to allow for them to get their most lean by building on that lean mass, and that's where food being part of the answer ends up being a a real big advantage but i do you know i do take issue with the fact that you know hitting your goal weight as the goal and and that being judged by three percent you know i learned a lot from the things that i did when dieting but most of it led me to the conclusion and and scientifically of course that dieting was more harmful Right, And that when you look at the data of it, you go not dieting is the most optimal state as a human being. And secretly all of you guys know that too, right? You do know that, but the problem is is that there's a lot of social factors, there's a lot of things that come up that are coloring you just being awesome right now, right? And so that's something to think about there. We went all over the map, <laughs> right? But uh, I think we covered a lot of I real mean, good ground. The other, Go ahead.
1: The other thing that a lot of these people who have questions is we give you guys a two-week free trial. Yeah. You can sign up today and you can have yeah. two weeks for free. Yeah there's no I
0: mean go go to weight watchers and get their 2 week free trial doesn't exist right because what they all believe is that the plan that they give you is the secret sauce right and what we're saying is is that the plan should always evolve to be customized for you there was somebody that asked about you know specific foods certainly we give you lists of foods that give you the options that are going to be able to give you, you know, that you can create what you have, but you literally have the ability to go into food logs of other eat performers to get ideas, to make your meals, right? That that's not something that a lot of people are willing to do. And the reason why they aren't willing to do it is because, you know, they are, kind of ashamed of the foods that they're eating right when in fact we're saying that food can actually be a big part of the help right there you know i think if you were doing something other than need to perform you might think that there's a lot of pressure to you know mostly eat chicken and kale and broccoli right and you know at the end of the day um those things can be a net negative all right, guys, I appreciate everyone being here. we got a late question coming in. Maybe, um, Brad, you can take that in comments, and then we'll kind of go from there. But uh appreciate everybody listening. Sorry this went a little bit long, but we had a lot of ground to cover. Talk to you guys later.
1: All right, guys, see you.